And just like that, folks, March Madness has come and it is gone as we have a champion as the one-seeded Kansas Jayhawks get their first national title since 2008 and Bill Self finally gets his second national championship with Kansas as they won 72-69 over North Carolina in Monday night's championship game. What a tournament it was. We're going to recap this game, the final four. The Tar Heels defeated Duke and sent Coach K packing for a second time. We'll talk a little bit about that game and how that game lived up to the hype as well. And then we will look ahead to the final few days in the NBA regular season. We'll talk about our awards, our predictions for the All-NBA team for 2022, and look ahead to the NBA playoffs, which will get underway next week. And also, don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And welcome back, friends, to the island. Jay Sohoda, Bilal Lahi, and just like that, the Final Four is over, and we have a national champion, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, as the Kansas Jayhawks have won their first national title since 2008, overcoming a 15-point deficit against Beast Tar Heels, and have gotten, which, honestly, you and I talked about it yesterday, it did not feel like a massive deficit, but yet it was. The largest comeback in national tournament history of the tournament. Pretty crazy how that happened. But the Jayhawks won 72-69. We'll talk about that. Talk about the big Final Four matchup between Duke and Carolina. How that game lived up to the hype. And then we'll look ahead to the NBA playoffs as March Madness is over. B, I know this was probably a little bit of a, a sad Tuesday for you. But are there a lot of positives for North Carolina this season? Yeah, you know what? After a loss like that, you'd think I'd be devastated. But, like, honestly, I'm I'm pretty good spirits, man. That Duke win's going to carry me a, lot, a long time. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly what we talked about last week, how we were said, even if the like, whoever wins that Carolina-Duke game, if they had lost the final, it would be kind of bittersweet. And, obviously, the, losing a game like this is without a doubt. That was a heartbreaking loss to be up like that, play the way Carolina did and still lose was really tough. But there are just way too many positives for this Tar Heel team this year to let that go down. Like, if there, there's, I was thinking about this yesterday, too. I'm like, if, if anyone kind of goes, I'm like, oh, Carolina, they, they, they blew a 15-point lead, and, oh, my God, they, how did they do that? It's like, look, man, like, give me a break. These kids went out there. They were, they were hurt. They still battled. They went through it all. This is a team that overcame so much, and we'll talk about it throughout this episode. And what Hubert Davis did in his first season, unbelievable job what he did. Hats off to Carolina. Unbelievable season. And most importantly, congratulations to Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. What a great season it was for them, winning the Big 12, winning the national title. This was a deep team. They have so many guys on that team, a lot of talent. And yet the second half is where they just find a way to wake up. And they did. I'm not gonna, I mean, now the tournament's over. I'm sad. You know I mean? This, this is my favorite time of year is March Madness. I'm sad that, that this tournament is over. But all in all, this, this tournament was, was wicked in every way, shape, or form. I'm a little, it feels weird that there's no buzzer beaters. I'm still a little, I'm still a little, a little upset about that. But anyways, this tournament was incredible. You got your upsets. You got... Everything possible you wanted to. Parody, left, right, and center. St. Peter's 15th seed in the Elite Eight. Incredible tournament. Obviously, the downside is 
I got smoked in almost every single bracket pool possible. And I was hey, in like, me and you were sitting at the bottom of the cellar. Oh, Lord have mercy. Like, absolutely awful. I deleted the CBS app last weekend. It's not even so. Gonzaga, Arizona, Iowa, Kentucky. Shout out to you guys for absolutely positively nothing. But anyways, let's keep this thing moving. Um, let's let's talk. Let's talk last night's game, and then we'll retract ourselves to the to the final four games. So Kansas, Carolina last night. We watched this game last night. Very very entertaining ball game. But I'm gonna start talking about this on a on more on a more positive note. So here we were last week. All this build up and how. Duke was obviously the main, you know, thing in this Final Four with Coach K. Really, the entire tournament was it's Coach K's last season, and how cool would it be to get to the Final Four? And, and then they finally did it. And then you're thinking, oh my God, here's this amazing redemption opportunity. They're going to beat Carolina, and that's going to be this amazing storybook ending. Little did we know, the coach that retired last year that didn't get a final run like Coach K did. Roy Williams would be at the spotlight of the national championship game. Not Mike Krzyzewski. Roy Williams didn't even coach this year, and yet he was at the center of this national championship game because the two schools that he coached, Kansas and North Carolina, played for the national championships. How about that for an L? Not only did Coach K lose to Carolina, but then it ended up being the Roy Williams Bowl for the national championship. What a joke. Yo, almost everything he could have asked for. Almost everything he could have asked for, for real. Roy Williams Bowl. I mean, my respect for Kansas, though. I felt like Kansas kind of got not enough respect throughout the whole tournament. Agreed. I didn't have them in my Final Four. You didn't have them in your Final Four. Um, kind of the whole tournament is just like we were all our eyes were on the other side of the bracket completely compared to Kansas. And they're just quietly, quietly just dominating teams, man. It's and fi- hey, Bill Self finally, finally, he's like he was saying it earlier, saying, I feel like I should get a couple more, I should have a couple more of these. And he got it, man. I mean, you got to tip the hat, man. They've had a crazy tournament, and it's like nobody gave them any respect, nobody gave them any light honestly, I mean, when you look at the number one seeds, and again, this all kind of goes back to the beginning of the tournament where we were like, anybody can win this tournament. Like there were 15 to 20 schools that we thought could win this tournament. And yet it ended up being a one seed when there were maybe eight schools that could have been worthy of being a one seed this season. And yet Kansas, who was consistently a good team throughout the season. They beat Baylor by like 35 points, which I think a lot of people forget earlier in the year at Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas is deep. They're a great team. They're a talented team. And it's crazy. When Bill Self said that, like, I can understand, like, where he's coming from because even when I heard it, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I feel feel like Kansas is a top three seed, like, every single year. Like, no joke. They're either one through four every year. But I'm like, there's, there's no way Kansas hasn't, hasn't won a title in the last 10 years. That's impossible. No, their last championship was 2008 against Memphis when John Calipari was that coach. And Derrick Rose was playing at Memphis. It was the last time Kansas won the chip. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. For a school like Kansas that we all look up to as one of the better schools in, in, the, in, the, in America, that's pretty crazy. But Kansas, they come out, they get the job done. They're like you said, they're the school that nobody really talked about. But kudos, there's so, Abaji. What an incredible season! What a game! 
He was outstanding in this game. Christian Brown was phenomenal in this game. McCormack down low was huge down the stretch. Of course, I think we all know the elephant in the room. If Baycott wasn't injured, might have been a little different story at the end. But either way, kudos to McCormack. Wilson was big. And then Remy Martin off the bench. Man, he was something. Not even just in this game, but the entire tournament. Remy Martin was fantastic off the bench for this team. And then to your Tar Heels B, I, I got to say this one thing about this team. North Carolina played with so much confidence in this tournament. Like I just, I felt it a lot throughout. Really, we talked about it from that March 5th game at Cameron of how that was the kind of the, you know, that kind of started things. That was the momentum starter for Carolina. And Look, look what happened. They went all the way to the national championship game. So we were both right about that. But Baycott, Manic, Davis, Love, Black, like these five dudes, what they did in the month of March, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal for what they did. Beating Duke twice, beating Baylor in overtime, UCLA. They beat some really good and took Kansas all the way down to the wire. Kudos to North Carolina. And for Hubert Davis, uh, un, un, unbelievable job. Unbelievable job. Coach of the year worthy. To do this in year one, following up the great Roy Williams, I don't think you could have paused. I don't think you could have asked for a better first season possible than what Hubert Davis in this year. So congratulations to him on really what was an absolutely outstanding season. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the game, bro, like it was, I felt like, you know, they go up 15, right? Baycott's just doing his thing, dominating the boards. And I was because they went up 15 in the first half without the guards really doing anything at all, right? It was only yep. just control. It was a really ugly game, honestly. But I think both teams were shooting like 35, 30% in the first half or something like that. Really ugly. And then I swear the second half was just like a perfect storm. It's like, okay. First of all, I don't know if you saw this, but the floor moved, and that's how Baycott get hurt. Did you see that video? I did not see that. I'm going to have to see that. That's so, listen, so weird. So, so the floor moved, and he turned his ankle because the floor moved, right? I got to bring this up now. That is that is black. And then, crazier than that, rem- remember Caleb Love was limping too, right? Yeah. It happened on the same spot, on that same floor. And then you wow. see Brady Manic on the last possession. He slipped, right? On the same spot right there too. So... I mean, this game was weird as hell because of that. You got three dudes going down from the same spot. Plus, you add in Puff Johnson, who got winded. Um, Brady Manic got friggin' RKO'd five times during the game. Like, this, this, they got beat up. I don't know what was happening over there, um, but they played with hella guts, man. And it really hurt to see them just in tears after the game because these dudes played their asses off all tournament. Um, I just wish, I mean, Baycott was healthy the whole game. I mean, ba- uh, Manic didn't get any clean looks in the second half. And then it was just like you saw the two versions of Caleb Love last game against Duke and then this game against Kansas. I mean, these are the two versions, right? I've been saying it, I've been saying it for a while. He, he either wins you the game on his stroke or he shoots you right out of it. And it was tough that that happened in a championship game because at this point during the tournament, I'm like, yo, him and R.J. Davis, those two dudes ain't scared of nothing, right? This squad is not scared of anything. I want Caleb Love with the ball. I want him taking the shots at the end, even though he'll take some irrational confidence-like shots. But 
just didn't fall, man. But I, I still rate the fact that, yo, I'm shooting five for 20. I'm still going to shoot because basically what he's saying is we wouldn't be here without me, right? So we're going to live and die on my on my arm right here. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think if Caleb Love, you you kind of saw it, and I, at least I noticed it. I don't know if you noticed it too. Once we kind of noticed that he was limping and hobbling, that kind of affected his game after that. Even down low, he missed a lot of easy mm-hmm. buckets right near the rim. I kind of noticed that the once he got hobbled, he wasn't the same dude. And even when you, you saw him take a few of those shots in the last minute or so to tie the game, they just were not on point at all. He was clearly affected by something, and I just pulled up that video of the floor. Somebody's got to get fired at the Superdome. That that cannot happen, to have Baycott injure his ankle there and then potentially Caleb Love as well. That's, that's just not right. That, somebody needs to get fired there. That's brutal. But, no, you're absolutely right. And But Caleb Love, what, what an amazing tournament. Like you said, you saw the positives and the negatives, but what he did to get this team here was nothing short of amazing. What he did in that Duke game, outstanding. Caleb Love was phenomenal. And in all the of UCLA these UCLA guys- game, man, I feel like in the yeah. UCLA game, they were down like two, three possessions at the end, and he just he single-handedly won them that game. Yeah, no, he did. He was but he was really good in that UCLA game, really good. But it's crazy when you look at all these dudes, they all kind of had their game in this tournament, right? Baycott, B- Baycott really has been that guy throughout the whole tournament, even before oh, no, yeah, that. We got, I mean, 31 double-doubles. He said he ties David Ridiculous. Robinson. David Robinson. Like, this dude, I mean, he's still got one year left. This dude's going to have his jersey hung up in, that, in, the, in the Dean Dome, man. Like, this is ridiculous. How it's like a given. Like this dude had a double double at the half. I think against Duke he had like sixteen rebounds at the half or fourteen rebounds at the half. Ended up with twenty one, I think. Like like it's just like a given. Double double, given double double, and it's like he's so relentless. Like even in that Baylor, going all the way back to that Baylor game. Like do you know how hard it is to crash the offensive glass all game? And at the end of the game, you're exhausted. That friggin' Baylor game was a rugby match, right? Yeah, it really was. And, it, and then at the end, who who gets the last tip and the last follow up? He's still crashing the offense. Not even half the half the time he doesn't even get the rebound. They don't even count to his stats. He's just keeping the ball alive and just tipping around. Manic will get it, or Leaky Black will get it. But he's the one that's keeping the ball active, right? He's the one that's keeping the yep. life on the ball. And those don't even show up in the stat sheet. Yeah, no, no question. He was, and it's even more impressive what he did, especially in the first half of yesterday's game with that ankle injury. Like, it's not easy to run up and down, but like the way that he he was playing as if he just wasn't hurt at all. And I, mm. I rate that, man. He was phenomenal this entire season, Armando Baycott was. I totally buy Like, when you were talking about it back in February, I was like, okay, I got to see this dude play. Watching a lot of Carolina over this past month. Armando Baycott, the real deal. He is something else. And then Brady Manick, what a season he had. The amount of clutch threes and clutch plays. You said it yesterday, and you were like, it seems like Brady Manick always kind of gets a momentum shift started. That's absolutely, honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. Every time Carolina goes on a run, I swear to God, it starts with a Brady Manick three. He is kind of got that guy that just gets everything started from this team. And we'll get to the Duke game in a minute, but that's what happened there. Duke starts off the, the second half with, I think it was a 5 or 7-0 run. Carolina comes right back and scores 13 unanswered after that. And I swear to God, I started with a Brady Manic 3. He was incredible. R.J. Davis was phenomenal at the point. All season long, I think I'm going to highlight that Baylor game was just scrappy as hell to find a way without Brady Manic down the stretch 
to find a way to continue coming up with big shot after big shot against a very, very physical Baylor team. R.J. Davis was phenomenal. That, that one take in overtime, that yeah. and one that he had, when they were like needing a bucket at that yeah. point. It was honestly – and it was – I mean, even yesterday when they needed a bucket a couple of times, right, he went straight to that mid-range. And I'm like, bro, that's the shot I was at this point. Yeah, no, no question, right? And we already talked about Caleb Love, how big he was down the stretch in this tournament. Leaky Black was big for this team. And then there's one last guy I got to highlight here who was awesome off the bench last night. And even in the Duke game, he came in for a few minutes and was big. Puff Johnson, awesome, 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 awesome minutes to come in like that. A young dude like him in a big, big moment. A guy who probably didn't get a lot of minutes throughout the season. Puff Johnson was exceptional when it mattered most. Kudos to him. You remember I was telling you about him way earlier, and I was like, yo, that's Cam Johnson's little brother right there. And, um, like, I, I was like, he, that's a little brother. He doesn't get a lot of run, but he, he's mad young. I think he could be good. Yo, future's bright for that dude, man. I mean, he, he showed up big time. Like, he was literally – I think he scored nine points in a row. Like, literally the only source of offense for Carolina at that one point when Kansas was making their run yesterday. Too bad he got winded. I don't even know what happened over there, but – I don't even think they showed that the replay for that, but he was he was massive when Luke Leaky Black went out with the four fouls, huge huge minutes. Yeah, no question, he was awesome, awesome in this game. And then we talked about this the other day as well. That so obviously Manix probably not coming back. You're saying Love's going to the draft, so they're not coming back. But I think if everyone else comes back, RJ. I mean, Leakey, I think now it's crazy because we went from all tournament we're like, yo, Caleb loves it. It's great. Actually, you know what? Rewind it even further. All year, we're like, no, Caleb Love's not ready for the league. Has this crazy tournament, which, by the way, I think I know the secret to picking in March Madness now. You just got to pick guards with irrational confidence and hope it, hope they just pop up. <laughs> because if, if it's friggin' Remy Martin, it's always one of them dudes that's going to win the tournament or go deep. It's either Caleb Love or Remy Martin or uh, whoever. It's not the big defensive teams that we always end up picking. Anyways. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But no, no, I was I was just going on to say that if these guys come back, Baker, RJ, Leaky Black, Puff Johnson, these guys come back, Carolina's going to be a really good team next year. Really good. Like, I'm not maybe like top 10, top 15. He, with the way Hubert Davis was in his first season, bro. Hey, and it's a close group, man. It's a, you exactly. Can't even, you can't even put that on paper at that point. Like Hubert Davis made Roy Williams look like a genius. Roy Williams were like, oh, he's stepping down now. He's like, I can't do this anymore. A lot of us are like, okay, you know, how's Hubert Davis going to do in his first season when you're following a guy like Roy Williams? And like I said, you literally could have not, you, you, you could have not scripted a season like this in Hubert Davis's first season with this group as an eight seed to go on, which is funny that we met when we were talking about Kansas, how it's funny when we were breaking down the bracket at the beginning, you and I, and even a lot of others at Jalen from the Hoop Talk podcast was another one who had a little more faith in Carolina as well. We had more faith in Carolina making a run than we did in Kansas. That's how crazy it was in, in the beginning. Of th- because I, I, I had Carolina over Baylor. I didn't have them going all the way, but I had them going to the Sweet 16. This is a great team. They found a way. This is going to be a really, really good team next year if, if some of these guys come back. So that should be interesting there, and then we'll see what happens with Kansas. But let's, let, let's kind of go backwards now to the Final Four. So Kansas went wire to wire, destroyed Villanova. I think the loss of Justin Moore killed it like it just Villanova tried to close the gap a little bit but every time Villanova uh, I don't think Villanova had a shot regardless in that game damn man I mean I don't I think 
Kansas had so much more talent that, yeah, I think they would have won regardless. But I don't think they would have controlled the game like that as much if they had just the more. And I think Villanova would have made it a little closer. But I think Kansas still would have came out with the dub. But this game just wasn't even close. Like, every time Villanova had an answer, Kansas had a response. And it was just not even close. It was a close for, like, two seconds. And then that was it. Kansas ran away with that one. But then the nightcap, the game we were all talking about, we knew it was going to be a big game. We were hoping it was going to be a big game. And it literally lived up to to exactly what we wanted. So I'm going to let you take take a few minutes here. This is all you, bro. Your Tar Heels just did it again. What what letter comes after K in the alphabet? L. Say it out loud. <laughs> L. L. And you know, when I'm on my phone, and I swear to God, I've noticed this. When I'm writing Coach K in a text, it auto corrects to L, and it comes up as Coach L. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yo, hey, to send this dude back twice, man. And I was telling you this, I'm like, yo, the fact that they had to play each other again, I was not very confident into this game. And I was like, ah, this is kind of just setting up to let Duke off the hook because that loss that they had earlier in Coach K's last home game, I'm like, at that moment, I was like, this is like peak, right? Like, this is like the greatest feeling ever. We're always going to have one up on on Coach K, one up on Duke. And then, oh, shit, we got to play them again. If they win this that game doesn't mean anything at all. They lose it. Now we got twice the bragging rights. Unbelievable. Caleb Love switching the shoes to the Pantones at halftime in that UCLA game. Never went back. And he just hooped, man. Like that shot he hit with one second left. And it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, it, you know, it's like one of those. They're just like, no, don't shoot it, don't shoot it. And he, and he yeah. makes it. And then it's like the free throw shooting for Duke. I mean, honestly – I didn't think the free throw shooting for Duke was the reason they lost because Carolina also didn't shoot the rock that well from the free throw line, it felt to me. Um, Puff Johnson like hit two big ones in that game. Um, but to me, the key in that game was Ben Carroll was going crazy. Ben Carroll was doing his thing. And I was saying last week, I was hoping Leaky Black was going to take Ben Carroll in that game. They do the Popovich move to put Leaky Black on A.J. Griffin. A.J. Griffin didn't do nothing. And Ben Carroll kind of just ran wild on, on Manic. But, you know... You got you taking out the second option in AJ Griffin. You don't put Baycott on him, so Baycott avoids foul trouble. And um, let let one dude try and beat you. I mean, Trevor Keels played amazing. He almost he was. won them that game. Um, but that was a great, great win. I, the the whole squad. I mean, twenty boards for Baycott. You know, like Manic didn't do crazy, but like Caleb Love and, and Baycott were just on another level in that game. Oh, yeah. No, no question. This was just an excellent, excellent game back and forth. It was honestly something to watch. Like, I I love games like this that are just back and forth. And we knew it. Like, when Carolina and Duke play every year, at least at the bare minimum, it's one out of the two meetings. That's exactly like this. Back and forth, the competition is just, you know, unbelievable like the highest it could possibly be and when Baycott went down with the ankle injury I'm like yeah no 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 no. he's coming back and he did come back and it was just an incredible game and here Caleb Love with 28 points unbelievable RJ Davis unbelievable this again that starting five that's a starting five that's going to be remembered in North Carolina basketball history forever like these five dudes for what they accomplished because Hubert Davis hardly touched the bench hardly 
especially in the month of March. Like, did not even bother going mm-hmm. into a dude except for Puff Johnson. Maybe got like two seconds off the bench. But everyone, it was those five dudes yeah. doing the damage. And yes, did they lose to Kansas? Yes, they did. But they beat Duke in Coach K's final season. Not once, but twice. And arguably, not even arguably, let's just call it what it is. Two, the two biggest games in this rivalry that it's ever had. This Final Four game, I don't know. It may be one day if they meet in the national championship game, that may eclipse it, but I don't know if it is. Because it like might we, not even, because this is his last game right here. That's that's what I'm saying, because it doesn't really matter when you look at what Mike Krzyzewski accomplished, what he meant to this rivalry, all of that stuff. First, for the first time, right? That's again, there will never be another first time that they meet in the final four and for coach Katie for it to be his last time in the final four you had all those things together and then of course what happened to Cameron Indoor on March the 5th losing by 13 points you're right I just with all those things kind of coming together I don't think there would be another game that would eclipse what this game meant to both teams and you can see it in the Duke players in the end it's like damn we just we let it we again. let it get away again, and they played so good, so much better than they did on in the beginning of March in that last meeting. Paulo Bancaro, like, I got to shout out this dude. I just to watch this dude in person as well in the Sweet 16. Like, Paulo is the real. He is so good. He When he turns it on, he turns it on, and he was phenomenal for this team. He just does some things. And Coach K talked about it. I think it was the end of the Texas Tech game in the Sweet 16. He's like, Paulo just does some things where you're like, you can't coach this. He'll just make the, and I saw it in this game, like he'll just make some moves and it's like, holy shit, like th- that is not coachable. Paulo was incredible. Shout out to him. He's, I, I, wherever he goes in the NBA, I hope he has nothing but success. He's a fun, fun player to watch. My big thing for Duke, actually two things here that I think was their downfall, not just in this game, but the season. This game, it was the free throws. Mark Williams missing those two free throws with whatever was a minute 20 left or under a minute left. Massive. Massive, 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 and I think Roach missed one as well in the in the final stretch as well. They were state shot sixty percent from the free throw line. That to me is just a no can do. You're in a close game like this, you have got to make your free throws. And Duke was una- was unable to make their free throws when it mattered. Another shout out to yeah, like you said, Trevor Keels was awesome off the bench. They needed him to come in. And the other thing was foul trouble. You had Mark mm, Williams. Yeah, Mark Williams got two fouls within like five minutes of this game, and he didn't see the court for the rest of the first half. Theo John comes in off the bench, gave them a nice energy boost, but he picks up four before halftime. So now you're in a real bind, and now you got to play Bancaro at center for a little bit. A lot of shifting. Coach K, Coach K did a nice job moving the lineup and kind of adjusting on the fly like that because that's what he does. But it was just a real tough game. And the other thing that I want to point out, and I, I haven't talked about this at all, in fact, when we've talked about Duke or Carolina in this game, but just the season as a, as a whole, I really saw Duke's youth come out in, in late in the stretch in this game. And I say that in a way because, again, Carolina's fairly youth, but B, you tell me this because I actually can't even remember off the top of my head. How, how many of Carolina's guys, at least starting with our freshmen? None. They're all... Uh... They're all so Baycott's a junior, Caleb and RJ are sophomores, and then Mannix the senior. Leaky Black's a junior. So they no, go. no, Leaky Black's a, a senior, but he's got one more year of eligibility. Right. 
Okay, so there you go. So the, they all have experience under their belt. This Duke team was Coach K's youngest team he's ever coached. The youngest team he's ever coached. Do you know how much damn pressure that is for this team in his last season to have the youngest? If this team actually had experience, I think Duke would have been the ones holding up the trophy last night. But because they were so young, a, in an environment like this is really tough to deal with. And Carolina, you could just tell they just had a little bit more, and I think that was the experience factor. Not even, not just not the NCAA tournament factor, because a lot of these Carolina players, you didn't have a tournament in 2020, and they were one and done last year. But playing as a team, playing together, gaining momentum, all that kind of stuff kind of comes into factor. Carolina just had more of that than Duke did, but I also got to give the hats off and the and the kudos where it is. For Duke to have its youngest team actually get Coach K to the Final Four, that I've actually got to give some props to because that's a hard freaking thing to do. Having said that, congratulations, Tar Heel Nation. Y'all have bragging rights forever. Hey, you know what it is, actually? I think because Carolina, to me, I don't think had an experience at all. I mean, outside of Brady Manning. But the thing is, is they went through that rough patch in the season where they actually – had that adver- adversity. Adversity, yeah. And Hubert Davis had to get on them. Yeah. And then they became this close-knit group. Like, I felt like I, I didn't see it more of an experience mismatch. I was just thinking, you know those Carolina starting five are hanging out together 24-7. Yeah. And I don't think those Duke guys were. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. It's more of a, you know, a cohesion kind of thing over that. But I want to go back to your point about the foul trouble because the same thing happened in the Kansas game. Right, and they went had to go small because McCormick was on the bench, and then Lightfoot had like four fouls, so they had to go small. And I'm thinking, yo, this game's a wrap if they go small. How are they gonna go small? But they somehow managed to just float around, right, and just keep it there. And then they also Bill Self also finally figured out that Harris can't is not a threat on offense. Play Remy Martin down the stretch, even though he might get exposed on the other end, um, because. You know, who knows? With these small guards, man, these small guards just turn up. But him making that switch late in the game and them just staying afloat on on that small lineup, those are two big things that I actually won them the game. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Great point. And, and I wasn't saying, like, tournament experience. I'm just saying experience in general based off of, like, age, right? Because, like, Duke players, like, they don't know any of this stuff, right? They're young. They don't. You know, they haven't been there. They haven't done that. They haven't got a chance to play together in big games like that, which Carolina didn't either. But I'm just saying there was that factor, like that youth factor there that I kind of saw. But yeah, the, the foul trouble was massive. And the other thing I also wanted to point out too, I was looking at this last week. Duke, you look at their throughout their season, their losses, they were all close games. Every team that beat them outside of North Carolina and Virginia Tech, was close. Ohio State beat them by five. Miami beat them by two. Florida State beat them by one. Virginia beat them by one. North Carolina beat them by 13 at Cameron in arguably the biggest regular season game right, in college that basketball was, history. That, it, the, that was not a blowout, though. You know what I'm saying? No, no. It was a takeover in the second half. But you look at compared to what Duke's been through, compared to what Carolina did. This team just had Duke's number. This season, yeah, yeah, yeah. although although in February, February they, they got the ass handed to them, but they turned it around when it mattered most, and that's the thing. That, and you so, know the crazy thing is, 
how I was telling you yesterday that Caleb Love wanted to go to Duke, and they picked Roach over Crazy. him. And now he's lighting his ass up twice in the same season. That's got to be, like, some real, like, you know, grudge match. Like, when he's looking at Coach K on the sideline after he hits that three, he's like, yo, you could have had this right here. Yeah, that's so crazy. So crazy. It's it just – it is ridiculous, man. But, they that's that, that's how the chips fell. And Duke fans are going to have to deal with it, deal with this forever, man. Because I don't know. Like, when you look at this rivalry, it's not going to matter. You go and you – if you beat Carolina next year, all right, so what? Like, I do I think the, the intensity will always be there between these two teams, always. Oh, did you hear that Coach K – I mean, they were dead even in Coach K's tenure here. They were like 55 and 55 or something up yep. until that game. 50-50, yep. Um, and then uh, you could have went with a winning record or a losing record in your tenure against Carolina. Yeah. That's crazy. That is actually crazy. It, it It is crazy. And not only that, but Coach K's first ever loss, loss as the Duke head yeah. coach was to North Carolina. Full circle, man. It's his last, like his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium lost to North Carolina. And then his final game of his career lost to North Carolina. North that's Carolina, cool. I think, just had his number, man. That, hey, no, that, that's full circle. Like You can't even make that shit up. No, no question. And then I do got to end this by obviously giving – giving my credit to Mike Krzyzewski, man. It was honestly just, it was amazing just being able to watch him all these years. One of the greatest, in my opinion, like the the best at the college level. Although what John Wooden did was just ridiculous during his tenure. But at least in our generation, for sure, Coach K was the best to do it. Incredible career, really. Like that, that tribute that they did on Saturday pregame, bro, holy. That was arguably one of the best tributes I've actually ever seen. But congratulations to him. I don't people better than your boy Larry's the other day or what? Hey, but both of those back to back, man. That was a, that was a little too much. A little too much for Jay Money. I'll tell you that much. But no, man. That that really whoever like created that tribute was like that was a really really good job that they did. But again, congrats to Coach K on an incredible career. At least they got him to the Final Four. But again, you lost to UNC, and there's no there there is no consolation for that. But all in all. Congrats to Coach K, one of the best to ever do it there. Um, and then next year, hey, John Shire, man. Like, look, look what this dude has to live up to. Like, I mean, not even that. You're looking on the other side, and you see what Hubert Davis Huber, does exactly. his first year. And exactly. Like, I mean, if, if it would be one thing, I mean, like, obviously, the following a legend, you're not, like, Hubert Davis was not, ex- we're not saying, yo, he's got to be the next Roy Williams. No. When Roy definitely. Williams comes, we're not saying he's got to be the next Dean Smith, right? That's just not how it works. You can't even do that. Yeah, but then it's like, yo, you set the bar real high, not only for yourself, but you set the bar for every coach now, especially John Shire. The pressure's on John Shire, man. Like he he has got to have a big season with this team net next season. There's a lot, a lot on the line there, and it's gonna it's gonna be real tough sledding. But I'm not gonna lie, like what when I first found out that Roy was retiring, and then when I found out Coach K was retiring, I was like. Oh man, I'm like this is gonna be so strange to watch Duke Carolina without Coach K and Roy Williams on the sidelines. But I'm not even gonna lie. After watching Hubert Davis this season and knowing John Shire very well mm-hmm. over the years, I'm really I'm really excited for the hey, watch this game next yesterday's, year. Yesterday's uh, first quarter, I mean, after like you know, first time out speech or whatever got me. Oh, man, like that, that was that was awesome. I loved seeing that emotion from Hubert Davis because usually when Hubert Davis is a fairly calm dude, like he doesn't yeah. really. 
let his emotion. I loved that. Just the emotion, that pure energy and joy of being in a yeah, national his championship. His voice was already gone at that point, too. Facts, straight, straight facts. But I love it. So to have, I, I'm telling, I am, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think this rivalry just, you know, was amplified by like five thousand times on, on the weekend from the Final Four. But I think going into next year, now having had that game, having had this season, two new coaches now. It, it's gonna be fun, man. This rivalry will not stop. Hey, well, let me quick before we move on. Who's yep. the best active coach in college basketball right now? Ooh, that's tough, man. Because I, I, okay, so like, it's not even this. Like, okay, I'm not even saying best coaches, but I'm thinking like this era, right? You see, you know, you have K, Roy, yep. you have Bayheim. I mean, yep. I, mean I, don't, I mean, you got those dudes that like they're just icons. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? It's yep. not even like at the Obviously, they're great coaches, but it's like icons. Now, this generation here, I mean, the Bill Self. I mean, Izzo's yep. still hanging around. Oh, yeah. See, to me, Izzo's not like on a icon status. Jay Wright's probably, for me, the best coach in college basketball right now. But I don't know. It's going to be weird. Like, he's to get to that, like, you know, like that, like, legend level where it's like, yo, is this guy even real? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we 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 saw the best of the best, man. Like uh, Coach K and Roy Williams were the best of the best when it came to that stat. Like there are a handful of of great, really, really, really great coaches right now, but none will have ever done what those two did. Because the other one that I kind of think of too is like Patino, Calipari. But like the thing there is like there, there's 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 always been some kind of like external stuff going on right like patino got let go by louisville and now he's gone and all that nonsense and then calipari losing to saint peter's i mean we talked about it we'll probably talk about later on like this year but like good grief that was one that that was one of if not with the worst calipari can never be in that in that list for me no like i and and honestly like you you were always there for me i still had a lot of respect for calipari but after this after this stunt losing to the peacocks in the first round the 15 seed give me a break man i I, i'm kind of done but calipari to me is is still a great coach but great recruiter man oh absolutely no question that's great recruiter i've always questioned his coaching no question, but but like to be in that like upper echelon conversation, no. But for me, it's not, it's just not it. Like you, you, you can only have so many opportunities and loss like that. But I, I would agree with you. I think Jay Wright and Bill Self are kind of at, kind of at a, a 50-50 tie for me. They both got to, they both have been to multiple Final Fours. They keep doing what they're doing. I'm gonna put Jay Wright slightly ahead just because of recent success. It took Bill Self a minute. Right to get mm-hmm. his second title, but Jay Wright has now been to three Final Fours in like six years, like we talked about last week. I'm put Jay Wright slightly above Bill Self, but I think there's a really close. Now that Bill Self has his second, I think there's a there's a close. I I think I saw a tweet this morning actually that those two are the only active NCAA basketball coaches that are still coaching this day that have two titles. So I think that they deserve to be at the top right now with, with where they're at and what they've done. Yeah, I don't know, but they, it's like it's weird. Like you know, it's like it's just not like the the casual dudes like that will be like, oh, who's that coach of Kansas? Like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, everybody that even if they don't know basketball knows Coach K. You know what I'm saying? It's just oh like, yeah, but it also you have to remember Coach K also coached the U.S. basketball team, right? You look at the, all the different like Coach K was special in the sense that so what he did. 
what but he did that's it. the thing. Look, all the all the all the top coaches. First of all, that's I don't know if you know this, but that's been the thing why a lot of these coaches don't like Coach K is because he never gave up that USA run, right? Like it mm. went from it was supposed to be a thing that all the coaches got one time. So like Dean Smith had it the one time. Bobby Knight had it the one time. All those guys, John Wooden, all they had it the one time, and then you pass it on. And then yep. he got his turn, and he kind of just stopped it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And then he moved it on to a – now that he's done with it, he's moving on to an NBA guy. I don't know. That's a little – I mean, see, now it's like college basketball is in this other territory. Like, I don't think we'll ever see – I mean, Jay Wright, to me, actually, I think should have gotten the, the USA job. But like, I don't think we'll see a college – you know, coach get that role for a while now. Yeah, who, it's Jay Wright. Yeah, who knows? Like I know Bayheim was an assistant on that staff too for quite a while. Like he always he always had some his, his assistant. I can't remember if Izzo was or was not. I can't remember that. But now nah, you have a point. But like Pop Pop's nearing his end too, right? He's he's not gonna be the coach for, for much longer. So it'll be interesting to see who he passes it up on. He's gonna to. be Steve Kerr. Oh, Steve. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I could see him definitely getting that. Yeah, no, then you have a good point. Jay Wright would have been amazing at that job, honestly. Yeah, I think he would have been a, be- a great fit. But, yeah, no, that's that's an, that's definitely an interesting conversation, interesting debate. But I go back to my point there. Coach K was special because not only what he did at Duke alone was fantastic, but then again, being able to coach all these amazing NBA dudes, you know, LeBron, Kobe, Melo, Chuck, all these guys that he that he's played that are all Hall of Famers. That's kind of what made him unique, opposed to everyone else. But, anyways, let's speaking of NBA, let's just let's kind of keep it rolling. But again, amazing tournament, man. Always, never fails. Amazing stuff, and of course, always looking forward to to next season and next next year's tournament. But let's let's move on to NBA. That's that's kind of that's the that's the next thing we're gonna be looking at. NBA playoffs start next weekend. Hey man, I'm locked. I mean, March is just the best month. Of basketball, no like question. Best, uh, you got the Canadian championships that I was watching, the women's March Madness that we I watched. Ah, that's a good one. Congratulations to South Carolina, the Gamecocks, and Don Finally. Staley. Got gotta gotta shout that out. Not mm-hmm. only handing, right? I think that's Don Staley's second. They felt um, like they've been robbed the last two years. No too, question. So. And to hand UConn their first ever loss in a national championship, and that shit was over from the start. It wasn't even close, and that's hard. It's hard to to beat uh, that UConn team. And I don't know. Shout out the Page man. Page, which which game was I watching? That's Elite Eight. Elite Eight. I forgot who they were facing. It was NC State. Page was um, holy crazy. crap. And you know what's crazy? She just started. Like she just came back from her injury like a month ago too, and she just picked up. Incredible, incredible. So got to give a shout out to her. But yeah, could not could not finish moving out by by congratulating uh, the Gamecocks of South Carolina. And what those girls did, number one from the beginning of the year and then ended up winning the championship. They're going to repeat, too, with Aaliyah Boston coming back. And Oof, she's like, good, yo. man. Real good. But, yeah, I mean, yo, this month is just crazy. You got ball every single day. You got the Canadian championships that happened. You had women's. You had men's. You had the NBA that picking up steam. Like, geez. Yeah, no, no question. March, March is something else. And now the playoffs are getting going, man. And I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I can't even sit here in a late, like, NBA so far this season has been your thing, man. You've been locked in. You've been watching all this stuff. I have been more of – I went from NFL straight to college. And then now, once the playoffs started, I'll actually know what the hell I'm talking about. So in terms of this regular season, I ain't going to sit up hey. and act like I know what the hell I'm talking all about. All right. So listen up. We're going over our 
what do you want to start with? All NBA or awards? Let's first? let's let's go after that. Let's st- look. There's what is it? Tuesday. There's only two games left. Let's let, let, let's just look at the standings. Give a nice preview for everybody here as to what's what's going to be looking at, and then so, we'll go straight to the awards and All NBA team after. You that. know what's crazy? About a week ago, I was thinking the Celtics and Sixers were basically locked into three or four, and they were going to get either the Bulls or the Raptors. Now all of a sudden, somehow the Celtics are up in the two, and it's a. I'm, I think Miami's locked in at the one. Yeah. Two, three, four are all, who knows, and the. Thing to me is, you know, there's a lot of manipulating, dodging, resting of the Brooklyn Nets, but I don't think, I mean, Brooklyn is just, they got, ever since Kyrie's been a part-time player, I mean, a full-time player, they have not done anything. I mean, KD dropped 55 the other day and they still lost. I mean, at this point, like, yo, teams are dropping 140, 130 on them. I don't think these teams really care. I know Milwaukee doesn't care about dodging Brooklyn. They say, if we get Brooklyn, we get Brooklyn, because... That game that Giannis played against them the other day, holy! Like they, those dudes aren't scared of anything. So my biggest takeaway in the East right now is like Brooklyn right now is a ten spot, right? The yeah. highest they can finish is the eight. They finish in the eight. They play Miami. Who cares what happens in that series? This, I mean, as a Celtics fan, I'm like, yo, bet we don't got to play Brooklyn. We'll probably end up playing. Honestly, it could go anywhere. It could be anywhere from the Bulls down because. I think Boston will finish in the two seed. And um, if it's a 7-8 Cleveland-Atlanta matchup in the play-in, I don't think Cleveland's going to win that game because Cleveland is just so falling off the rails right now. And Atlanta's kind of hot. So a Boston-Atlanta series would be kind of interesting to me. That would be fun. That would be fun. The Hawks, the Hawks are looking a little more like the mm-hmm. Hawks team that I expected in the beginning. Right Throughout the season, every time I look at the standings, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with the Hawks? Got a big dub, like you just mentioned, against Brooklyn. They're kind of chipping in at the right time. I would expect them to probably jump up to the seventh seed. Like you said, Cleveland's kind of struggling. And then again, well, and you, they, even in, if they play in the eight in the playing game, right? That's the seven, eight plays each other. And then the eight wins, yep. they'd get the seven. So I want to see your raps play Philly, though. I just want to see the I, hell they would put through James Harden. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking about that earlier too. Because right, the raps have the raps are tied with Chicago for the five seed. The raps could most definitely have a shot at the five seed there and end up playing Philly. Look, I this Raps team may be young, but they they're gonna give whoever the hell they play a hard time. That's what they do, and they're gonna they're gonna be scrappy against regardless. And I Philadelphia, I'm not I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of them at all. If I'm a Raps fan, like this, the Sixers have not looked great, right? Like you've mentioned, Harden came in, they lit it up for like two minutes, and then they haven't been ever since. The look at what the Raps have done in the past few games, like. They give a lot of these teams, they're always a tough out. So whoever they play, it's going to be a tough out. But I was thinking about that earlier, but a possible 4-5 matchup with the Sixers. I honestly, like, I don't care who that, the, the only team that, like, I think I, I'm truly like, uh, I don't really like that is maybe Milwaukee. A healthy Boston team, I think your Celtics will end up outlasting the Raps. But the Raps will, will be tough. But the Bucks, I don't know, man. Playing the defending champion Bucks, I don't love no, no, that. Let's be real, okay. I don't think your Rodgers are going to win a first-round playoff series. They're not, not against these teams. Any of these four teams. No. But the reason I, I want that Philly series is because I want to see James Harden get put through hell from Gary Trent, Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes. I want them. To I just, would love that. I would love. I mean, that. Embiid will average forty and fifteen yep. in that series. Yeah. Because six nine Precious Achua or one hundred and twenty pound Boucher, none of those dudes are 
staying in front of him. Agreed. Yeah. But I just want to see James Harden get put through hell. I would think I would think that that that'd be the funniest damn thing. Honestly, like I I would love to see the Raps give James Harden a hard time. I think would be absolutely hilarious. But no, that's what I was saying. I think we said this back earlier in the or a few weeks ago too. Where we were like, if the Raps ended up playing Chicago before the Bill or not the Bill, the Bulls kind of fell mm. to the five seed. The Bulls were sitting at the two that. three. Yeah. That's what we were saying. We're like, if the Raps played Chicago, we kind of like the Raptors' chances there. But if you're playing Boston, Milwaukee, or Philly, probably not. But it doesn't matter the who Miami they play. One, the a Miami one could go seven, I feel like. Yeah, but no, the Miami, they play Miami. But Miami, they, I don't see a way they can play Miami. No, it's not looking likely. It's not looking likely that that would be the matchup. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they give whoever they face, they're going to give a hard time, but I can't really see them winning the series. But you never know. Um, but we'll see what happens there. It's crazy to me that Brooklyn is a t- – it's crazy to me to think that the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers are the 10 and 11 seeds in their respective conferences. Who the hell would have thought that? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But the East, I, I, I'm looking forward to next week's episode because I want to see where these teams land. And like I've been talking about all month long, matchups. I want to know what these matchups are going to be, whom, who's matching up against who, who has the easiest road to the title. That's what I'm kind of looking for in the Eastern Conference because a lot of these teams are, you know what I mean? They're all kind of similar. None are kind of like above the other. Right, we know who the favorites are here. Right, we know the top four teams arguably are the teams that are probably going to go out at each other in the semis, and one of them's going to get through. So we'll see what happens there. But Atlanta, Atlanta's a team to keep an eye on down there because Atlanta, like you said, they have experience. Right, that's where I like them possibly getting the seven, the seven seed, playing Cleveland and beating Cleveland because Cleveland doesn't have the experience. The Hawks are a team that went to the Eastern Finals last season. I think the Hawks will be able to try and get that done, but. It'll be interesting, man. Very, very interesting in the Eastern Conference. I mean, the East is. I mean, you just got. I feel like for the you just gotta wait and see how that plays out. Agreed. Um, but the West, I think we're pretty much we're pretty much here on the West. Phoenix been the best team from the jump. Yep. Um, crazy though, how important you know, like Cam Johnson goes down, um, and it's like they miss him. But Book is having a crazy year. The Grizzlies, I told you from a while ago, the Grizzlies were going to take the Warriors' spot as a two seed. The yeah, crazy you called thing that. to me is that they're 20 and two without John Morant. That's ridiculous. I don't know how. I mean, because Dylan Brooks has missed hella time this year. I mean, I honestly can't even think of who's plugging in. I mean, they got Trey Jones plugging in, but I just don't understand how they're 20 and two without John Morant. And at the start of the year, I was, I mean, at the start of the year, Ja was right up there for MVP, right? Yep. I mean, he should still realistically be up there because they're the number two seed. Who saw that? Who saw this coming, right? Agreed. But yep. if, you, if you're 20 and two without him, are you, I don't think you can be in that conversation anymore. Yeah. No, that's, that's completely fair. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not as shocked as maybe some people may think in what the Memphis Grizzlies have done this season because I knew Memphis had in him. The last two years, they've been a really, really fun team to watch. They're scrappy. They don't same similar to how I feel about the Raps in the East, right? They're scrappy. They're going to give teams a hard time. That's how Memphis used to be. Now Memphis kind of grew up. Now they're this team that's it's like, no, you got to come through us. You got to beat us. My only thing with Memphis is 
they haven't actually been in a series like this. Last year, they were in the play-in tournament. They weren't actually in the playoffs playing in a seven-game series. Mm, they played Utah Oh, no, last they year. did. My bad. They actually they won the play-in tournament last year, and they played Utah. My they bad. They beat Golden State yeah. in that play-in. Game. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. No, that's, that's, my, that's my bad. Um, but Memphis, who they play, will probably have a little more experience. Unless it's Minnesota. Minnesota would be an ideal first-round matchup. Yeah. Minnesota- I was thinking if they played, um, you know, if Clippers beat Minnesota in a play-in, I would not mm. want to play the Paul George. Agreed. Um, we saw his first game back; he had like thirty-four, and they won by came back from twenty points or something. I would not want to play the Jazz. There's just too much like agreed. continuity over there. Yep, whatever, agreed. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Honestly, I don't want to play any of these teams because Nuggets, Jokic, MVP front runner. Dallas, since the All-Star break, has been ridiculous. Honestly, I have some question marks about Golden State, though. Curry's been out for a while. Clay has not been the same guy. Draymond has been awful since he's been back. It's really like a Jordan Poole squad right now. That'll be interesting. Yeah, now Golden State definitely fell off from where they were earlier in the season, which is, yeah, definitely kind of a shock. I mean, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Um, which is something there, but I'm looking at I'm looking at the potential Dallas Denver four five matchup. I think would be so much fun. Dallas and, is gonna catch Golden State. They Dallas could. will be the three seed, man. I mean, Golden State is yeah. just like nothing is selling me on Golden State right now. Golden State in a four five matchup, I feel like it's the ideal Yeesh. matchup that Denver wants to. Play. Denver wants, yeah. I was just about because to say that. you're gonna have. I mean, Jokic already goes crazy against Golden State. Now you got. Seven games against Kevon Looney, bro. Come on, like this, that would be scary for Golden State. That would, that really would, and that's that's tough. But you know, if Dallas is playing Denver, I, I think that matchup would be fun. But if you you're right, they're only a game, Dallas only a game behind Golden State. They could most definitely go up to the three, and then Golden State drops to the four, and as ends up having to play Denver. Very interesting. If you're Golden State, like you don't want to do that because then if you end up beating Denver, you're probably gonna have to play Phoenix in the second round, opposed to what we mm-hmm. thought would have been the West. Honestly, finals. the West is just avoid Phoenix for as long as you can. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. If there if there's a team in this Western Conference right now pre playoffs that you think I think this team could give Phoenix a run for their money because we or all year we've been saying Golden State, but obviously they have not been the same team in the month of March ever since Steph went down. And Clay, like you mentioned, hasn't been the same guy since he's returned as well, rightfully so, everything he's been through. Is there a team in the Western Conference that you can kind of look at and be like, I think they can give Phoenix a hard time if they played them? I will go with, I think it would be Dallas for me, man. Either Dallas or Golden mm. State. And that's because Golden State, for I don't like what I've seen recently, right? Yeah, I'm just going based off of, yeah, they can figure it out. That's what I'm going off of. But Dallas, I'm saying if these two teams played right now, and you, I could see because Dallas's defense has been right up there with Boston's at the top of the league. Somehow Jason Kidd, who I thought was like the worst coach ever when he was <laughs> at his last coaching stint, somehow he turned this around. But I think the way Lucas played since the All-Star break, I mean, yo, I can't you see a way when this dude, Lucas just has like a supernova playoff series like he's done against the Clippers or something. And now you got, you know, Jalen Brunson and Dinwiddie, and you don't have Bummy Porzingis over there. Like, can't you see a way where uh, Luka just goes crazy and goes 40, 10, and 10, and they yep. win that series? I, I, I absolutely can. Luka, Luka's a unicorn, man. He's capable of anything. 
But my thing with this is saying this is why I predicted Dallas to be the number one seed early in the season. Not because of like I think they're, they're the best team, but like every year you think there's a team that's gonna grow up. That was that ended up being Memphis. I thought Dallas was gonna have that that year this year, but Dallas is always a scary team. This team plays really, really well. And like you said, now with Dinwiddie in there, Brunson's playing lights out. Luca gonna do his thing. Jason Kidd's actually done a nice job with Dallas this year, like you just said, right? So I, I'm with you on that. I think when you look at all the teams, not Denver. You you don't think Denver could get Phoenix all the time, dude? Who's their second best player? Valid. That's a good point. Is that's it, a great point. Is yeah. It, Jeff Green or yeah, Aaron yeah. Gordon, like yeah, you know what no, I'm no, saying? that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, it's it's just it's amazing how Jokic has done this for a second consecutive season, holding this team afloat. It's pretty magnificent. But yeah, Dallas, I like that. I like that pick. I think yeah, when you look at the Western Conference, I think yeah, Dallas is probably the team that yeah, I would probably say I have the most confidence in going toe to toe with Phoenix. And hey, then it's important, right? If you're Dallas and you're getting a three seat, you're now avoiding Phoenix until the Western Finals. Whether if you stay at the four. You're more than likely gonna play them in the second round of post. So, I'm so not writing off Golden State, though. I want to be clear. Like I'm not. Oh, of course them not. Off. You can. You can any time. It's just like I don't. I mean, right? They're gonna need the. I don't know. Something's gotta kick in because, oh, yeah, like, yeah. I right now, I do not think they're a good team. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I agree with you. I haven't got a chance to watch Golden State, but I I know they're struggling, and especially without Steph. And when Steph comes back, obviously we don't know how he's going to be like. But if you had to trust a team in the playoffs to come out and make something happen, I would probably trust Steph Curry and Steve Kerr as they've done it time and time again when they've been there. Um, but yeah, no, I, you, you can never count out, right? Steve Kerr and and uh, Steph and Draymond Clay. You can't. You just can't. You can't. Yeah, you, you can't, can't count them out. So that'll be interesting there. So we'll see what happens and we'll break down all the matchups next week. Let's go to the All-NBA team. All NBA team. All right, this is a little tricky here because, I mean, we'll start with the centers. Let's start with the center, right? Yep. Jokic and Embiid all year long. Both of them are basically been the top two guys in MVP all year long. But you got to pick one. You can't put one of them at power forward. That's not how this works, right? Yep. I'm going Jokic here. I'm also going Jokic. That's it. like what he's done again. Like I just said, like two seconds ago, what he's done with Denver in two years in a row has just been amazing to keep to keep Denver afloat. The way that he has has been something special and not, and not taking anything away from Embiid because Embiid again also has done a really, really good job with Philadelphia and over the last few seasons as well. But I'm, I'm going Jokic as well on this one. I think we both got Giannis at the at the one forward spot. Yep, correct. The next forward spot, to me, it was, you know, it's Tatum. To me, it's Tatum. I think, especially if they end up in a one or two spot, the way he's played in the last three months, averaging like 30 a game, yeah, defensively doing everything. I mean, I, I don't think I can put anybody in that other forward spot ahead of Tatum. No, that's fair. Jason Tatum has played unbelievable over the past few weeks, and – and the way he's been, we we know. I said this to you last week too. I'm like, when Jason Tatum's on and he's in the and he's in that zone where he's dropping 30, 40 a game, he's scary. You don't want to go up against that. Um, I, I could totally put Tatum there. I I know he's had an absolutely brutal season in terms of his team, but I put LeBron down just because of his individual performance. You look at what the Lakers do every night. The Lakers consistently lose, 
But LeBron's putting up like 30, 40 points every game until he gets hurt. Like he's out there balling and yet the Lakers just keep losing, which makes no utter sense. But I I, I, I no, put LeBron to just can't do that, man. I can't. Like I just feel like he's just chasing his stats or something. And it's like, okay, with all NBA teams, I feel like, especially the first team, the first team, I cannot have a team, a dude on that team that's below well. They got way be below 500, way below. So that's why I'm like, if he's way below 500, I don't even know if I can make him on my second team either, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but you know what? He's been putting up numbers. So here's where I go with the guards. Okay. So all year, pretty much for the first half of the year, Steph and Ja lock it in, right? Yep. I'm putting in Booker. He's okay. my one lock for the guards. He's my one lock for the guards yep. because. Bro, they're 62 and 16. Like, how he, there's no reason he's been playing lights out. There's no way he yeah. should not be on this list. Yeah. My other guard spot, man, I don't know. I, I'm kind of at a toss up. So, right now, it's Jokic, Giannis, Tatum, Book. I want to go my three for this last guard spot. I got, I got Steph, Luca, and Ja, right? Mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards Luca right now because Steph's been out. Their team, especially if the Mavericks take over Golden State in the standings, we're putting in Luka. Um, ja would have been there, but that 20-2 and two without him, I just, like, yo, how can I, are you really a first-team All-NBA guy if your team's 20-2 and two without you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, if if the Mavericks take Golden State's spot, I'm going to put Luka in that spot. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. What Luca's done has been something else. I'm actually going to go in a completely different direction. I'm kind of shocked you didn't even say his name. Um, for one of the guards is going with DeMar for what he's done with Chicago this season. Has just been incredible. Arguably the best season of his entire career, what he's done with the Bulls. And the Bulls have been garbage for years. Other than the little stint with D. Rose and Jimmy Butler, Chicago has been in last place almost every year. The fact that I know Chicago kind of dropped down. I know both you and I aren't exactly the highest on Chicago, especially coming next week in the playoffs. But come on, DeMar's been incredible. Dropping 30 points a game, 50 points the other night. Like he, What he has done with Chicago has been more than you could probably ask for in his first season with the Bulls, especially kind of later in his career too. And people early on in the season were talking about him as a potential MVP. DeMar DeRozan. You and I are in Toronto. We know what that name. DeMar DeRozan and MVP are two names that don't belong in the same sentence. Yet this season, he has put up those numbers and he's put in work and he's done a absolute hell of a job. But now we're going to see next week. Can DeMar do something even more impressive and try to help the Bulls to win a playoff series if that's the case? But I, I got to put DeMar in there for the season he's had. has been absolutely exceptional this season. <clears throat> so and the your... other guard, I'm going with Ja. I'm going with Ja because he he has been like I know he's been injured the past month, but Lord have mercy, Ja Moran's been like just fun as hell to watch. So man. you got you got Ja DeRozan, yep, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic, Jokic, correct, yep. All right. So so you would have who your second team guards would be Stephen Luca, definitely Stephen Book, or Luca and Book. Luca and Book is my first team. Honestly, I think I would say for second for guards, I might go Luca and Book. Just because Steph has been injured. You know what I'm saying? The last one. And it's crazy though, because Steph is like was the MVP for the first couple months of the right? Yeah. Yeah. But like 
but you if you ask somebody right now, you're like, yo, is Steph playing? Like, how's how's Steph doing? Right? Yeah. You'd be like, he's I. Right. But like his his version of I is like, you know what I'm saying? It's still a second team, third team All NBA guy. But by his standards, it's like, you know, like it, we've seen Steph when Steph's cooking, and that's like, yo, he's like unanimous All NBA, unanimous MVP, right? Yeah. So it's like a little weird dynamic here. Yeah. No. No question. I yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Luca and Book. Nah, I mean, Devin Booker. Like, come on. This the season Phoenix has had. Yeah. Chris Paul's been out for God knows how much of this season to have one of the best. One of if I think it might be actually the best season Phoenix has ever had, winning this many games. I'm not sure the exact number. It is. But yeah, yeah. Well, they got 62 right now. Their highest is 62. 62. So, they got- so there you go. So tonight's the night. Then if they can knock LeBron and the Lakers out of the playoffs, just like they did last year, then there you go. Yeah. So no, I'm gonna go Luca and Book. Yeah. I mean, shoot. You know, I mean, thing is, is like yeah, so much can happen in these last four games. Like, no question, know, no question. Like, if if I mean, I'm pretty sure books books a lot for me on that first team though. But all right, let's go uh, awards here. Yeah, yeah. Let's finish it off with awards. Let's go for it. All right, MVP. We gotta start with over here. Um, I think we're I think both we're on the same both page. Yeah, right. But like, let's just make a real quick case. This dude, 27, 14, and eight. Jokic, right? Yep. Top 10 in each of those categories. Points, rebounds, and assists. That is something I don't think I've ever... I mean, Westbrook did it that one year. I don't think I've ever seen that otherwise. That's crazy. Um, But, like, I mean, Giannis, you know, he's averaging 30, 12, and 6, which is better numbers than he had last year when he won MVP. Yeah. Plus, he, you know, you see that game against Embiid where he drops 40 in a double-double. Plus gets the block at the end of the game which none of these other MVP candidates do. He gets the block, right? That's yep. that's what kind of separates them. Then he goes again the next day, drops 40-something against KD, guards KD. And that's something Jokic and Embiid also don't do, which is crazy. But it's like, it's just at this point, it's like, yo, I don't know why people just don't want to, like, give him any light. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah, we already gave it to him twice. But I don't know. No, that's that's totally fair because it's amazing what Joel Embiid has done over the past two years. It's not like he's, you know, done nothing. Like, he's done some really good stuff. He's put up some great numbers. But again, like like you said about Jokic, it's even more impressive. And we, we talked about this, I think, about a month ago, too, around All-Star Weekend, of how the bigs in this league just keep getting better and better and more versatile. For Nikola Jokic to be a big... And do what he's doing, not just this year, but on a consistent basis for about, let's say, let's go around the last maybe three, four years or so. Incredible. This year without no Jamal Murray, right? No, all the, no Porter Jr. Jokic, what he's done with the Denver Nuggets. And this is the team. Before Jokic even got here, the Nuggets were trash. They didn't also another team. They didn't win Jack. And we all know that I know, at least I can say this, if Murray was healthy, if this team was actually healthy from the jump, I will say Denver is a, this is a mm. team that could win a championship or at least compete to be in a championship. But yet again, with even despite the injuries, what Nikola Jokic manages to do on a night in and night out basis is simply incredible. That's why I got him as the MVP. Uh, I mean, I agree both. I just want to like, you know, shout these dudes out because Giannis I think it's point one away from the scoring title. Point one away. Plus, he's a defensive player of the year candidate, right? That's he, ridiculous. Giannis and, got a ring too. And Bead. And first of all, I think Giannis is the best player in the league. But I'm still like Jokic is having a better season. And Bead, 
has been playing all year without his second best player, right? Who was the second best player all year? Seth Curry, pretty much. Now you got lazy James Harden, and he's putting up, I think he's .2 away from the scoring title. He's averaging 30, 12, and 4. And we thought this Philly team was not going to be even close to where they are. He's been literally the only guy for this team. So, like, literally, you cannot go wrong with any of these three picks. Yeah. No, no question. No question. There's the, I agree. Giannis, Giannis is another guy. Like, what he's done over the past handful of years has been absolutely unbelievable as well. But, again, the one thing that Giannis has that the others don't, Giannis has the hardware now. Um, so, in that way. All right, let's, let's keep it rolling. Let's go the defensive player of the year. You already know where I'm going over here. It's crazy because I've been, think, I've been wanting Marcus Smart to get it my whole life. And now the finally the year he gets the buzz for defensive player of the year, I'm like, no, it should go to Robert Williams mm. because Robert Williams is averaging the most blocks in the league. He's basically the anchor. And you can tell when this dude's out of the lineup, what a difference he makes. But, um, Hey man, if both of those two team, both of those guys better make first team all defense. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say Mikel Bridges on this one. And again, I haven't watched enough to actually say the man, but he is, you know, supposed to be, or he's at least ranked as like the top odds to win Defensive Player of the Year. I'm gonna go with Mikel Bridges in this one. And of course, look at the season Phoenix is having too. When you have a season like that, you should be considered. Um, to be in anyway yeah. in that way, so I'm gonna say that. But then again, I haven't really watched any of these dudes like properly to actually be like, you know, bring up the stat sheet and all that stuff. But I'm gonna say Mikel Bridges. Hey, speaking of Phoenix, man, I think Monty Williams for me, 100% Coach of the Year. If these guys have 62 wins right now, let's say they got a couple games left, five games left, they finish with 65 games, maybe 65 wins is one of the greatest regular seasons of all time. Like if you win sixty five wins, you got you're in that territory with those Spurs teams, the the eighty six Celtics, like that level of team. There's no way to me Monty Williams is not coach of the year. That's another team that took the leap, right, and kind of grew up is is Phoenix. Like Phoenix, yes, they they did something last year that not a lot of us thought they were gonna do is make the NBA finals. Now it's how are you gonna respond? This is another team that you could have not responded in a better way than what Phoenix did this year, winning 62-plus wins. Like, that's unheard of, like you just said. Monty Williams, no question, is is the lead dog for that. I went. There are, there are a lot of teams this year that surprised me, and I'm sure surprised a lot of people. I'm going to go a little outside the box here and go Taylor Jenkins of Memphis because Memphis has had an incredible season, winning 55 games, probably maybe even more in these next few games. What Memphis has done this season has been awesome. Like you mentioned earlier, without John Morant as well. Awesome, awesome job. There are a few guys no like Monty, yeah. Taylor Jenkins, my early pick earlier, Billy Donovan. I don't think he'll win it anymore because Chicago dropped. Adoka's um, going to be up there. Adoka's another one. Uh, Bickerstaff of Cleveland. There are a few guys Jason in there. Jason Kidd, that, honestly. Jason too. Kidd of Dallas, another one, right? There are a handful of guys that have done a really, really good job this year and took their teams to places that we necessarily didn't think they would be. But I like the Monty pick. Mon- Monty, Monty's awesome. Awesome. Like he's one of my favorite coaches in the league. No doubt. Six man. We could, we both got Tyler Hero. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a question. I don't know. I don't know where they would be without him. Agreed. Uh, most improved. We both got Ja. Ja. ja incredible, yeah. incredible season. This guy went from averaging 19 a game last year to averaging 27 a game this yeah, year. He took that jump. Eight points a game difference, plus they're in the two spot. I mean, it's a wrap over there. Rookie of the year, man. This is this is a good debate. 
all year I've been Mobley, Mobley, Mobley. And I'm switching it up now. I'm switching it up. By the way, I feel like Cade, and since 2022 started, I feel like Cade's been the best rookie. Mm-hmm. But I factor winning even to a Rookie of the Year award. So I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes, man. I, wow. I'm going to do it. Okay. I, I feel like Mobley – here's the way I look at this now. For redrafting, I still think Cade goes one, Mobley goes two, Scotty would go three. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think Cade's the best player. Mobley had the best season for the majority of the season. Then he got hurt. Cleveland fell off a cliff. Scotty Barnes has been consistent the whole way. Now the Raptors are going to be in the five spot. They got basically the exact same stats, 15, 8, and 4, 15, 8, and 3. Give it to him, man. You got a point. Like they, he, means, him, he, he plays like 36 minutes a game, too. Like He means so much to them, you know? Like, he does. He really does. And, you know, it's, again, it's funny how – I did not think Scotty Barnes would have the kind of season that he has for the Raptors this year. I thought he would be good, but I think it would take him some time to get better. And then maybe next year he would take that leap. But I did say early on when we were making our predictions back in November, whenever it was, did I not say that the Raptors would make the playoffs if Scotty Barnes has a rookie of the year type season? I said that back in November and look as what look at what has happened. Scotty Barnes has had that kind of season. And the Raptors are going to make the playoffs. Not even the play-in, but the playoffs top six in the league. But you're right. Him and Mobley are very neck and neck. I, it's tough, man. I don't know. Do I go with my homer and Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley? Because Mobley, Mobley's had an incredible year. And the Cavaliers, come on, let's be real. Hmm. I think you a know lot what? Of, Darius Garland is going to get second place and most improved player. Because he's had a crazy year, too. No, he's been phenomenal for Cleveland. But the, my point about Cleveland is, I think a lot of people could get behind the Raptors doing well based off of what the Raptors have done the past eight years. Come on. Nobody, Cleveland has never, literally never had a season like this without LeBron James on their team. Never. Every single year without LeBron, Cleveland is sticking in dead last, picking in the lottery every year. This is the first time they're actually relevant and playing good. And yes, D- Darius Garland, no question, he's been awesome. But Evan Mobley has been a really big part of this team. Jared Allen's another one, but... What Mobley's done has been great. It's honestly a toss-up. And honestly, to throw out Cade as well. Cade is something special. But the Pistons are trash. Mobley or Scotty, it's going to be one of these two, man. It's really a toss-up at this point. Um, you went with Scotty. I'm going to put down Mobley. But Scotty Barnes has been on both of these dudes, man. Honestly, like it, it really them, is man. a toss-up. Cade is, if Cade didn't miss an early part of the year... And he was like, he's by far on the worst team here, right? Kate, like, that's what I'm saying. Cage is on a garbage team. Like, and, that's he miss, and he missed like early on in the year. It was Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes it was like an actual debate. Well, meanwhile, Cade didn't play his first game until like a month or two later. But then I see like last week, he went toe to toe with KD, shot for shot, had like 35. I mean, to me, by far, it's not even a question. Cade is the most fun player to watch out of those three. Oh, yeah. No, Kate, Kate is special, man. Like, I got a chance to watch when they, they hey, came yo, to Toronto. If they, get, if they get Chet next year, boy. Ooh. Oh, my God. This team, <laughs> Detroit is literally a college ball all-star team. Got Cade, Garza, Livers, uh, potentially Chet rolling in there. Like, they, they got all these stars. But again, yet the, the Pistons, they can't, the Pistons have what, like 10 wins this year? And I'm pretty sure all 10 came against the Raptors. So I don't, I don't know what's with the Pistons, but we'll see there. But Scotty and Mobley, 
awesome, unbelievable. This is year. a good. This is a good rookie class, man. Because even Jalen Green's picking it up in this. Very, yeah, no, we we a lot of people call the last year's draft class was just different, different. No, no, it was. That's why we spent so much time on it, man. No question. We all saw it, you know. Yeah, this year, eh, no, there's a few guys here and there, but like Wagner's nowhere. having a hell of a year. Yeah, like, but yes, yeah, But last year, it was almost like almost mm-hmm. the. Entire first round where like there were guys that we could see make a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, one through thirty-two. This year is a little bit of a different story, but yeah, Scotty and Mobley, it's a complete toss-up. I'm gonna put down Mobley on my part just to kind of you know make it a little different here. But Scotty, Scotty's been unbelievable, Yo, and I cannot thought, wait. Who would have thought that you go with Mobley and I go with Scotty? Who the, <laughs> who the hell? Honestly, that's a that's a great point, but uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch Scotty Barnes get this valuable playoff experience. I know Nick Nurse talked about it a few weeks ago. For these young Raptors players to get this valuable playoff experience, you can't, you can't, like, it's huge for this team that's trying to build a new winning culture, you know, without Lowry and without a lot of those guys on the championship team. It's going to be an exciting week for for Raptors fans to be back in the postseason seeing guys like Scotty Barnes back in there. With a packed stadium too, man. Oh my God, that's it, dude. You know what, man? They, come on, I know you're, you're Celtics fan, but come on, there's nothing like a Raptors home game in the playoffs. Nothing. Hey. Our fan base is nuts, absolutely nuts. And to have that back after all these years with no one in the stands, that's going to be special. And hopefully, we'll have James Harden. We'll, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll be welcoming in James Harden, and we can we can all boo him together. But I'll anyways. get behind that with you for sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm sure a lot of people will get behind that one. Um, but we'll see what happens there. That'll do it. Um, from this episode, be final thoughts. Man, hell of an episode, man. Now we're moving into NBA. Yo, this is like nonstop week after week stimmy for me. It, it really is. It really is week after. We literally, right after the Super Bowl, we went straight in to All-Star Weekend and College Ball. And now College Ball's done. And now we move right back in to NBA playoffs. So next week, we're going to break down the matchups. Cannot wait. Guess going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that on next week's episode. And once again, congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks and the South Carolina Gamecocks on winning the national championships in the men's and women's NCAA tournament. So that'll do it from here on the island. Stay tuned. NBA playoffs coming up next week. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep a luck. We got a lot more basketball content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.